Let's open our Bibles this morning to uh, Matthew's Gospel. We um, have on the screen that we're going to get through the end of the chapter, but I, I really think probably just down through verse 20, hopefully we can even get that far. Um, and so if we could uh, take a look at that. Uh, Matthew 18. And, and let's just... Uh, Let's just pray first. Lord, we come before you and we thank you, Jesus, for the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, how you speak to us. And Lord, I'm just mindful of even what uh, Checker had, had said, Lord. Man devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And Lord, we understand that very, um, very well ourselves. And, uh, Lord, you have a plan and a purpose. And, Lord, we just invite you to change us, Lord, to open our hearts and our minds. To make us your ambassadors, Lord. To make us willing, Lord, to see with your eyes, Lord, the world that is lost, the world that is darkened. Lord, that we would have your heart, even in these dark times that we are living in. Lord, to have a heart to reach out to those people. And Lord, um, we just want to thank you for what you're going to feed us right now, Lord. And this is not an easy message, but it's one that we need to hear. So Lord, have your way and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's, uh, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20 probably this morning. But let's just go ahead and read those verses. Remember, Jesus had just spoken about the offenses that would come against children and the warning uh, against um, anybody offending a child. And, and that if you were to offend a child, it would be better for you than a millstone. And this is a several hundred pound stone. It would be better for you to have that tied around your neck, and you cast into the Marianas Trench. It would be better for that to happen to you than for you to harm, offend, or sin against a child. And that is an incredible thing. I mean, God takes sin very seriously, and especially when it comes to children, because they're innocent. They, they don't know any better. In fact, they're, they're just looking to authorities, parents, others around them to help guide them along the way. They don't know anything, and they literally are a blank slate. They're a, a blank tablet, that, that information that they see, the, the interactions with people. They learn how to love. They learn how to trust through the people around them, the, the authorities in their life. And when that authority betrays that young one and, and abuses them or harms them in any way, God says, you better watch out. Because if you come to Christ, he can forgive you for those sins. But if you die in your sin when you've offended one of these little ones, let me tell you, the wrath of God is very real. And his love is incredible. However, his wrath is complete. And it is eternal. And um, so we looked at that. And notice now in verse 15, Jesus says, moreover, if your brother, and obviously when he uses the word brother, he is assuming, this is assuming some kind of relationship with Christ. Not, not just a brother, a physical brother, but a brother in Christ, a believer. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, 
And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. I am there in the midst. You know, when you think about troubles in the, in the church, it's a very difficult thing because normally when people come to church, they want to have this sense of uh, release, the, the sense of, okay, there's a safe place I can go and I'm not going to be offended and I'm certainly not there to offend anybody else. But because we're people and because we still, even though we have the very nature of God, even if you are born again, you still have this old nature that is at the bottom that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is, is suppressing and keeping it from expressing itself in any of its ways. So we, we still have this duality within us. Paul even said that. He goes, why is it the things that I do are the things that I shouldn't do, and the things that I should do are the things that I don't do? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And of course, we know the answer. He tells us right in the next verse, but I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It's him who can deliver him from the body of death, but we have this capacity to offend, even as believers. And there's nothing worse than being offended or sinned against by somebody who is a believer in Christ. And yet it happens every single day. I do it, not intentionally. And how do we deal with that? How does the church, in, a, you know, in the world, you know, they have their own mechanism of doing things, but God calls us to do what he just told us. And what did he tell us to do? If somebody offends you, you go to them, and you go to them alone, privately. And, and this is nice because it keeps things um, private, and you're covering a multitude of sin, aren't you? You're not allowing anybody to hear about what the problem is, and because gossip is what it is, it's very real in the church and in and, and the world. And we as believers have to be especially careful with our mouth, with our tongue, because from it... You know, it, it can still be a horrible thing that divides people and hurts people. Words are important. The, the words that we choose, the, the demeanor in which we express those words are very important, aren't they? Because I can say all the right words and I can say it in such a way where I betray my speech. My body language could be saying something different and yet I'm speaking words. And isn't it a mystery isn't it a wonderful mystery, actually, to think that even in our technology, we have so many ways to communicate through texting, through email, through phone calls, through, you know, you name it. We can communicate with one another, FaceTime, through Telegram, through all these different apps and all this communication. And yet, in our culture today, it's one of the things that is so lacking is just basic communication. Just talk to me face to face. It's worked for thousands of years. You know, it's only in the 
20, 21st century, we've had all these gizmos and gadgets and ways of communicating. You know what? There's no better way to communicate than just face-to-face, heart-to-heart, alone, one-on-one. So Jesus is saying, this is how you resolve those differences. This is how you deal with somebody who has sinned or against you or has hurt you. And so let's look at verse 15. He says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, and this word sins is a word hamartano, and it's uh, literally, um, you've heard the, the Greek word hamartia, which is missing the mark. This is where this word comes from. So it's sort of like an archery contest where the bowman brings back the arrow and he's shooting for the bullseye. And when he shoots, if that arrow glances off and doesn't hit its mark, it's hamartia. He, he's missed the mark. He's supposed to hit the bullseye. That's the desire. But he's missed it completely. And see, that's what sin is. We have missed the mark. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We're no longer um, obeying God, but rather we are sinning against God. We are missing the mark. And we sin against God first, and we sin against people. God first. Remember when David sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, I think it was, or Psalm 32. He says, Lord, in this I have sinned against you alone. Now, David knew that he sinned against Bathsheba, and he certainly sinned against Uriah because he murdered him. But he sinned against God first, and then man. And so we have to keep, we have to be extremely careful, but it says here, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained him. You have gained him. Notice that the Lord in this verse wants to, uh, notice who he wants to initiate the reconciliation. Is it the person who did the wrong? Or is it the person who has been wronged or sinned against? It's the person who has been wronged or sinned against. It almost seems a little backwards, doesn't it? If somebody hurts me, it would be nice for them to, at some point, come and say, you know what, I'm, I'm really sorry I said or I did this thing that offended you. I sinned against you. Forgive me. I, I know what I did was wrong. But that would be nice, and we should do that. But sometimes somebody can sin against you, and you are aware of it, and they might not be aware of it, but it's killing you inside. It's like a cancer festering. So why does God do this? Because the person who did the wrong may never even seek to reconcile, and they might not even be aware that they hurt you. Ed, if we could turn this uh, down just a smidgen, that'd be great. So the person who did this against you might not even be aware that you're upset with them. Has it ever happened to you where you've gone to somebody and, 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 and they're, you're mad at them for some reason, and they're like, what is with you? And you're like, do you remember eight months ago (laughs) when we were at McDonald's and you said this thing and you did this thing to me and I'll never, I hate you. And they're like, whoa, back up. What did I say? I don't even remember what I said. And that happens. People, you guys are sensitive. Not me, of course. And I'm joking, of course. But people are sensitive, and they might not even be aware that they hurt you, but it will eat a hole in your heart if you don't get it out. If you don't get it right, it will fester like a cancer in your bones, and it will continue to gnaw at you and remove years of your life and affect your health. Do you know that? 
Sometimes that happens. Uh, And King David understood this very well. What does it tell us in Psalm 32? During the time of his sin with Bathsheba and killing of her husband, David uh, said this after God had forgiven him. He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Notice this. This is what I'm talking about, verse 3. When I kept silent, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, my very life source was turned into the drought of summer. I was just shriveling up like a raisin because I knew what I did is wrong and I didn't fess up to it. And do you hear what David was saying? He says, it was eating me like a cancer. It was eating me from the inside out. And there's so many people in the world, and even in the church, even in this room, there's, there's, there's relationships, family and friends, best friends, that maybe you're not friends with them anymore because of something that was said, something that they did to you that they don't even know anything about. Maybe they do know about it. Maybe it was purposeful. But it's up to you, believer, to get it right. Even if they are a believer, you go and get it right. You go and get it right. Life is too short to hold grudges and to remain angry at someone. Can everybody copy that? Life is too short. It is. Perhaps someone said a careless word or did a careless deed to you. You know, their word or deed may have been intentional or, or um, may not have been intentional, actually, or may not even be directed at you personally, but something they said, something they did hurt you. Maybe you were in a vulnerable state. Maybe you were just having a bad day. Maybe the offender said something in innocence, but it reminded you of your own sin or something from the past. Maybe something they said triggered you. Anybody have any triggers here this morning? Someone, some person, something that is said, all of a sudden you become like Gollum. You know, you just turn in an instant. There's a trigger, something that's triggered you, something that's happened in the past. You can call it whatever you want post-traumatic syndrome, whatever it is, there's something that triggers you. And maybe they said something that triggered you, and you're upset with them because of it. Maybe they said something outright to you. You know, you're just a fool. (laughs) Really? Thank you, friend. Maybe they said something deliberate. Maybe they didn't say anything purposeful at all. You You were triggered by something, but you're still holding on to it, still simmering over it. Or maybe they said something and it was just a veiled message. And they, it was intentional. It, it's, we're complicated people, aren't we? And our means of communication are complicated as well. But how will you know unless you ask them about it? Do you have the courage to ask? Or will you risk not asking and letting it tear your heart out for several years only to find out that it had nothing to do with you at all? Isn't that a travesty, Really? To have something happen, and in your pride, in your whatever it is, your reluctance to bring, address the elephant in the room in the relationship, instead of addressing the elephant in the room, you say nothing and, and, and you're harboring this bitterness for years. And then later you find out that it was a misunderstanding. You're like, all those years, 
Think of it, folks. All those years, I walked around with a sourpuss face. I've walked around with a broken heart, angry, and every time I got a message from them, oh, I bet, you know, and, and, and they sound all nice and everything, but you know they were sticking in the back, and they're like, wait a minute, I had no idea. Every one of us in this room knows what I'm talking about, and it's very real, and Jesus says, you have to get it right. You, the believer, you do it. But whatever you do, just communicate from the heart. Don't text them. Call them if you can. But I personally like, when, when, when there's issues in people's lives or I have an issue with somebody, I like to talk to them face-to-face. Because if my heart is really right, do you know that your body language actually says quite more than your words? And you can't do that through a text message. You can't do that even through a phone call. The inflections in the voice help a lot. But when you're physically present, you got the nonverbal communication and the words all happening. And if you're genuine, they're going to get it loud and clear. And that is the difference. And that is the best way to communicate, one-on-one, straight heart-to-heart. In Romans it says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's Romans 12, 18. Sometimes you can't reason with somebody. Maybe somebody hurt you and it's just not possible. Well, make the effort anyway. And if it's a disaster, then it's a disaster. But if you can make the effort, God is going to bless you for making the effort. You can't control the outcome. No, none of us can control the outcome. I can't even control what I'm doing most of the time. But make the effort. Because who knows? That person may be going, you know what? How did I... How did I frustrate you or upset you? Or what did I do? And you can explain it to them. Have a heart-to-heart and say, you know what? You probably didn't mean it, but this is what you said. This is what you did, and it hurt me so deeply. And they're like, I had no idea. I honestly had no idea. Oh, my goodness. And this was three years ago? Folks, life is short. Life is short. Isn't the relationship valuable enough to understand the intention and the word or the words that were spoken? And isn't it true? And this is true of me, and I'll just share with you. Sometimes I can be clumsy and careless in what I say. I need to slow down sometimes. Sometimes I need to qualify statements. And being up here is one of the most dangerous jobs in the world because sometimes I don't get the opportunity for lack of time because I'm looking at that clock, and it's my enemy. Um. And sometimes I say something and I don't get to qualify a statement. I don't get to add a little bit more when it would probably be better because it's going to hurt somebody. It happens all the time. Not just with me, with everybody else too. But sometimes we can be clumsy in our words and and, and we, we, we don't have time or for whatever reason we don't qualify a statement. And we need to think about different words. We need to be deliberate in our choice of words. Words can either build up or they can tear down. Isn't that true? And much hurt and destruction of relationships has been done through this little piece of flesh behind my teeth. I've heard that it's said that your, your teeth are a gate for the tongue. It keeps this ugly little thing behind my teeth from expressing itself. I just got to close my teeth and not let it speak. Not let it out. James tells us something really wonderful He said, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. 
If anyone does not stumble in word, notice he is a perfect or a mature man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they're so large, are driven by fierce winds and are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Isn't it true? Boy, with my words, I can tear somebody, I can bring somebody up and just, oh, he's so wonderful and he just, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves, you know, and then I can say something else and I'm dead to them. They don't want to ever see or speak to me again. And words are like that. Isn't that scary? Think about it. Words and our tongue are the most incredible thing that we can either be used for good or for evil. And even in the church, we got to be really careful about our words. God help me. Seriously, me of all people, because public speaking is what I do. Help me to, be, to say what I mean and to mean what I say and to qualify statements that need to be qualified. And don't let it go because somebody else is going to have a problem. Now, I can't do it all the time, and I make lots of mistakes. You, you've been the beneficiaries of a lot of my mistakes. But it's true, words are so important. Even, um, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Notice that. And sets on fire the course of hell and is set on fire by hell. Wow. The tongue sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? No. It's an evil thing. He goes, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. He goes, these things ought not to be so. If we have the Spirit of God in us, if we are born again, what comes out of us should be pure. It should be holy. Think about your words being holy. And think about how you speak to other people and maybe offend them or sin against them. And it happens all the time. And I do it all the time. But as, I, as I've been reading this this week, it's really been challenging me. Rob, be careful of the words that you use. You sin against somebody every single day. You offend somebody every single day. And I'm like, you know, if I can mitigate that somehow, perhaps altogether or to a great extent. Because, I mean, does anybody in this room really want, want to hurt somebody? Does anybody here really want to sin against somebody? We would all say no. But our carelessness, sometimes the things that we say and do, and even the sin of gossip. In 1 Timothy, it tells us, but refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to, show, uh, to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. But then he goes in and he says, besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they ought not to, not, allowing, not putting a gate at their mouth and their heart. And they hurt people. And this is what we need to be careful of. Gossiping. And in the, the, the church, it's torn many churches apart, gossip. Don't gossip. Back in World War II, there was a poster that was put into many of the bars by Canadian Seagram distillers. And uh, it was... This, it's called loose lips might sink ships, where we get the term loose lips sink ships. 
And the idea behind this is as sailors were going into these bars, they were talking, getting a little tipsy with the alcohol, and then they would start to talk about the war. And there's other people in that room that are getting that information back to the enemy. And so they began to put these posters in all the bars around World War II to warn the servicemen to keep your mouth shut because the things that you say are going to hinder our efforts, right? Loose lips sink ships, literally, And it's really the same for us today. We can hurt one another, and the tongue is one of the greatest destroyers in the world. David said, or the psalmist said in Psalm 141, says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to an evil thing to practice wicked works, which men who work iniquity. Verse, Psalm 39 I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence, and I held my peace from from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. And Micah says, do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth. And from her who lies in your bosom, for son dishonors father, and daughter rises against her mother. And I believe the, the, the tongue, the mouth, is the thing, most often than not, that we use to hurt one another. That's how we sin against one another. There are many other things too, but I think that's the easiest one. Because from the, what does the Bible tell us? Uh, from, from the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Notice that. Out of the abundance of the heart, it's almost like the heart is so filled with anger and rage against a, a person, a, a thing, whatever it is, and it can't help but express itself. You, you spend an hour with anybody, and in that hour, you're going to find out what's really motivating them, what is really on their heart. You're going to find out who they are and really what their, their bone of contention with anything is because they can't help it. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's almost like a vomit. I hate to say it. Sorry if you had breakfast before you came, but uh, we're having lunch soon. That'll be nice. But anyway, but it's like this, it's just like a regurgitation. It just can't help but come out. And maybe you've been around people like that. But notice what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. Remember when we are in Matthew chapter 5? He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember, notice that your brother has something against you. Notice who he, he, he says to initiate it. Not the, the offender, but the offended, the one who has been offended. You go and tell them what they did. And why is that? Because we've, we've been looking at that. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they did know. Maybe it was purposeful. But you, believer, go. And you tell them their fault because if you win them, if, you, if they say to you, you know what, I had no idea, but you know what, I am so sorry, please forgive me. Then you've won your brother. Then the, 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 this nasty thing between you has been resolved and now you can start talking with each other again. And the, the relationship is healed, right? What a wonderful thing that is. Isn't it beautiful? There's nothing greater on earth than to see people who are at enmity with one another now are in agreement and they love each other. And they grow in that. There's nothing more satisfying to see in the world. It's nothing more satisfying to see in the church when people get it right. Instead of talking behind each other's backs, they, just, they, they talk about it. They get out their grievances and, and do that. Because miscommunications happen all the time. And sometimes there's reasons 
for those miscommunications. We don't know all the information. Maybe you didn't do something because something else happened that required you to leave quickly and you weren't able to talk about it. But you, in your mind, thinking, oh man, they're just... (laughs) Happens. It happens. But if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, then leave your gift there and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Notice again in this passage in Matthew that the impetus is on the one who was offended. <clears throat> and again, it's always good for the offender to, to initiate it, but much of the time you have to. The offended one has to initiate that. And how many family and, and close friendships and family relationships are represented here today where that is the case? I'd be willing to say all of us. Because I'm looking out at you, and I know what I'm telling you right now is either comforting you or is convicting you. And it's not me, it's the Word of God. And there ought to be conviction, because I need to rethink the way I do things. How many of us have had a close friend or a family member, and we're holding a grudge against them for 20 years Something they said back at a family gathering 20 years ago, I remember, and I'll never forget Aunt Batilda for that. In fact, I've never sent her a birthday card either. I spite her. She hurt me. Never forgive her for that. Right? And people do it. And then as Christians, we veil it behind some kind of false spirituality. Well, when the Lord's ready, he'll minister to their hearts. (laughs) It's like, nice try, buddy. But the Lord tells you to go. And isn't it true that some people don't even know that they, they they may appear a certain way and they don't even realize they're doing it? Sometimes it's good to tell them. You know, I don't know if you know this, but you're repelling everybody around you. You're like a, a porcupine. I mean, I wouldn't say this, but there are people like that, right? They're, they're like porcupines. You try to get close to them, and man, you're getting quills shot at you from every direction. And you're like, somebody needs to tell that person that they are just, they're just nasty. And sometimes you have to do it. Just say, hey, what's wrong? You know, this happened, and then I saw this, and there's something going on here. There's something I can pray for you about, something I can help you with. Did I do something? And they need, to, they need to grow in that too. They need to learn that they're coming off that way. Does that make sense? So maybe you'll be reconciled to the person, but you're also teaching them something about themselves that nobody's had the guts to tell them about. And they continue propagating this nasty character and no one's ever challenged them about it. No one had loved them enough to say, hey, do you know that you, you know, you're just, you oppose yourself and everything you say and you do. I mean, there's a way you can do that, but pray first. Pray that God gives you a heart of love and compassion for them because if you have the love and compassion for someone, when you go to them, your heart's already prepared and God, and you're, everything about you is all about reconciliation and grace. And they sense it. They can sense it because the nonverbal communication is huge. You know what I'm talking about because I can come and I can stand here like this and my body language is telling you that I'm frustrated with you. But then I say all these nice words. You know, and I do that. I got my, you know, hand on my hip and I'm looking at him like this and, and it's like, 
And I could say all the right words, but my body is saying something completely different. It is. What does James tell us? He says, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Yes. James goes on in the same uh, chapter in verse 19 in James 5. He says, brethren, if any of you, any among you wanders from the truth, and he's speaking about believers here, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Even in believers, there can be death. The wages of sin is death, and that's true for a believer and an unbeliever. And I don't mean eternal death necessarily for the believer, but I'm talking about death. There's going to be a degradation. There's going to be something that's going to be destroyed, something that's decaying, and that is death. That's a process of death. Oh, my goodness. Notice in verse 15, moreover, circle this word, if. Moreover, if your brother sins against you. And then there's a comma there, notice. And really, what a word that could be there is then. Have you heard of if, if, then statements? They're conditional statements. If you do this, then this may or may not occur. Computer programmers know it. If then statements are all about computer programming, right? If the if the you know if you ask somebody to type in yes or no, just Y or N in the computer program and they hit R, your program says if they if they touch any other key than Y or N, then display a message. Hey, get your mind together. Select Y or N. Yes or no, not R. Right? It's a conditional statement. If, if your brother sins against you, then you, then you go. There's the condition. If he does, then you go. Tell him his fault between you and him alone. And there's the first step. We're not going to get to the rest of this today because I'm way off script and that's okay. So we'll pick this up again next week. But let me just finish a few things here. In the Bible, there are many uh, conditional and unconditional statements that God gives. And this is a... A conditional statement. Conditional statements are those things that may or will occur if you would do a certain action. And they're usually identified by those statements that begin with if and statements uh, later on that say then. An example is, and this is apropos for today, if the weather is nice, then we will have our baptism picnic. The condition, it's conditional. If the weather is nice, then we will have the picnic. Well, the weather was nice yesterday, and we still didn't, but we will on this next Saturday. But that's a conditional statement. The Bible are, is full of these kind of conditional statements. You know, God gave, to, um, uh, God gave to Israel and to the church that he would do certain things if they did their part. An example in the New Testament is Acts chapter 8. This is when the... Uh, Ethiopian eunuch who was on his way back home from Jerusalem from the Passover and he is reading the book of Isaiah he's sitting in his chariot reading a book of Isaiah Isaiah 53 and Philip God tells Philip hey do you see that guy over there go up and get in his chariot so Philip does and Philip sees him reading a scroll of Isaiah what are you reading 
Oh, uh, the suffering servant, the one who would you know, die for the sins of the people. And, and then Philip began to preach to him Christ. And at that moment, the man gives his heart to Christ. And notice what he says in verse 36 of Acts chapter 8. It says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. After the man had been converted, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. Do you see the condition? If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you may be baptized. And then the man replied back, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Right? The condition was met. If you believe, then you may be baptized. He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, let's get you off this chariot and dunk you, brother. <laughs> get it done and they did but conditions if he does then go and tell him his fault between you you initiate it don't blame it on them and say well I'm just going to wait for them to figure out figure it out you're the one who offended me you're the one who has to come to me and see we can get so prideful and, and we get on our high horse and we're like no, it's not me. No, I'm the one that was hurt. You need to walk through glass on your knees. You need to earn my forgiveness. Rotten. You know, we get that ugly. Can't, have you, anybody been that ugly? I'll raise my hand. Okay, there's a bunch of liars in this room. Uh, <laughs> only kidding. Right, don't leave the church. See, I qualified my statement. I did it. Right. but you be the one to go out and can we do that as a church we're gonna we'll have to finish this next week but let's purpose this week to do a couple things number one let's be careful about the things that we say this tongue that's behind this gate of white pearly whites it's there for a reason think about the words that you say be careful, husbands and wives, about how you speak to your wife. I need to learn this. Continue to learn this. We've been married almost 27 years, and I'm still learning this lesson daily. Any men, can you relate? Yeah. Yeah, we're all guilty. Yeah. We're learning, but let's, let's really put it front and center, because really, that's, that's really important. Our words are very important. And then, if somebody has something, if you know of somebody in your family, and I'm going to stop after this, if you know somebody, a friend, a family member, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a mother or father, or a father who has left you, or a mother who has left you, and you know that they've done something against you, and they haven't spoken to you, but it hurt you, will you pray about this week this week or next week, pray about it and go to that person and say, you know what, I've been harboring a grudge against you for years. And I just want to tell you, I want to ask you, this was the deal, this is what happened, this is what you said and it hurt me and 
is that true? Do you, do you remember that? And if they say, yeah, I do remember that. And you know what? At the time, I did mean it. I was angry. But since then, isn't it true that sometimes time heals those wounds? And maybe that's the time when they would say, you know what? I did. I was angry with you. And, and, but now you're here in front of me, and I just want to tell you I'm sorry. And you know what? The, the friendship, the relationship has been restored. Or maybe they're clueless. Maybe they don't even know that they hurt you. But now you can get it in the, in, in, the, in the light. You can get it right. Get it right in the light. Get right in the light. And now you can go to them and say, was there, any, was there anything in this? Was I misunderstanding something? They say, yes, you know what? I, I had no idea. And hopefully they'll say, you know what? I, if, if, if that's what you thought I said, if that's what you thought I meant, for heaven's sakes, that's completely opposite. Because our words, oh my gosh, we are clever creatures. And boy, we're, we can be great communicators and we can be also very poor at it. So would you pray about that? In fact, let's pray right now that God would heal, even in this room, relationships. And, and, and I can tell every one of us, there's someone in your family that this is true about and pray about getting it right, going to them, doing what Jesus said. And there's a promise here because if you do what he says, don't you worry about how they're going to respond. You make the initiative and let God bless you because he's going to bless you even if they look at you and say, yes, I meant it and I don't want to see you again. Well, at least you know the answer. And maybe there's something that can be healed even there. But even if, like like it says in Romans, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men. Well, sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes the rift is so bad, there's nothing you can do. But will you, Christian, believer in Christ, will you take the initiative? And so let's pray and ask the Lord to give us the grace and the courage to do, to go where no man has gone before. (laughs) To boldly go where no man has gone before. Yes, to go into that relationship and speak truth and light and life. Bring life into it and see what the Lord does. See what he does. You may be pleasantly surprised. And trust me, I believe, don't trust me, trust the word of God. I believe that for any of you who do that this week, the majority of you are going to come back with a smile on your face. But will you do it? Father, we just ask for your help in this, Lord. You know that we are, there is still so much pride, Lord. I'm going to confess it first because there is still so much pride in my heart that I'm not even aware of, Lord. And that is the truth. And it just takes the right circumstance, Lord, to bring it out, and I get offended. And, and we're all the same. Lord, I pray that you would give all of us, Lord, the the maturity, the grace, the mercy, everything we need, Lord, to reconcile relationships in our sphere of influence, our family, our friends, whatever it is, Lord. Would you do that in us this week? And Lord, help us uh, to put our words and, and the things that we say in the forefront of all of this. And Lord, help us, help us, God. Just like David said, Lord, set a gate at my mouth that before my words even come out from behind my teeth, Lord, they've already been thought of. They've been, they've been uh, smithed. I've chosen the words wisely. I've deliberately chosen to speak this. Lord, help us to do that and to do it with gentleness and care. 
We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Would you do a great healing in our fellowship and all the families represented here, Lord? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.